Hey, so, last time, uh, a whole bunch of this and that happened. Sort of covered about ten days worth of events, right about. Grant got to meet the artists what live in the camp, and also got infected with an ancient parasite that Roxanne helped get out of his body. That was cool of me. That was, that was yeah, that was cool of you. Real nice of you. You're a very cool person. And uh, also Steiner left the camp with the gatherers, had um, an emotionally trying encounter with a psychic hunting monster showed him visions of his son in great distress but managed to come out of that with some scrapes but otherwise in pretty good health but before all of that of course you all had conversations with Adol about your capabilities and your emotional needs just you know keep Roxanne and Adel in particular came to a bit of an understanding with each other. And speaking of Adel, it, it's been about hmm, 25 sleeps. Are you guys counting? Not really. Uh, Steiner would probably be keeping note. I don't know how. With your robot brain. I don't know. I have a regular person brain. I'm just, or I'm not like it. I don't think my mental facilities are enhanced by the angel body. So <laughs> I probably just have some paper and I'm just tallying. You're making notches in a tree. Have you seen the trees around here? <laughs> <laughs> one of the ones in camp. One of the ones that isn't carnivorous. Also, Seems rude to do to a tree when we have like paper or parchment, whatever. People have been taking notes, like, like Grant's, like, "Hey, I'm a person. You will forget me. Here are things that you need to know." Have been a thing that have been happening. So those, ex- so parchment exists. Writing does exist. Does it? Yes. No, yes. it's fake. Yes. Okay. We just talked about, are you are you alright? You, is your memory okay? Anyways. So yeah, it's been Well now that I know that Steiner is actually keeping track of it, it's been another twenty-six sleeps. So we're at the like thirty-five mark at this point. A little over a month. And it's, it's one of these waking periods. You are all together. No one is out. No one is working. You're all just kind of together with each other around the communal fire. And you all start to notice that there's a lot more people than there usually are. Like, there's not more people here now than there are normally in the camp. It's not like the camp population has jumped. It's just that 
everybody's here at once, which is really uncommon. And you guys aren't the only ones who have noticed that there's so many people. There's a there's a little bit of chatter going around the fire of people taking note of this situation. Do you all do anything? Uh, I don't know. I just walk up to the fire. I figure I know some of the folks around here, and I'm just like, is there something interesting happening right now? It's a little uh, a little more lively than usual. The person you're talking to answers that no, there's no event or anything that anyone's aware of. That's fair enough. Guess sometimes it just turns out that there are a lot of people in one place. Yeah. I don't know. It's okay for lots of people to be in one place. I thought maybe someone had forgot to invite me to a party. <laughs> do they do they have a word for party? <laughs> like, do these fucking elves that live in their that live in this hell universe know what parties are? Do they know what fun is? <laughs> they definitely have words for like celebrations. All right. Roxanne did the thing that I was going to do, which is ask someone if this is weird, and you know they got an answer, so it's like. Okay, I guess this is just happening. Yeah, it's it's weird. Everybody definitely identifies it as weird that there's been this kind of like convergence of sleep cycles where everybody is here at the same time. Who? Well, okay, I was about to ask who all is here, but then I was like, everybody. obviously that would be that would be too much to list. It, literally everybody is here. Literally everybody is here. You know what I'm gonna do? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. If everybody's here, I'm gonna go find Aster. Okay. I'm gonna ask them if they have uh, found anything new or interesting to put in their journal since we last spoke. Okay, so Aster, um, they they look a little bit excited. You maybe get the feeling that not too many people ask about this kind of thing. So they they very like eagerly open up their book and start flipping through it to one of the like to to the most recently written upon page, hand it to you. It's some kind of new weird bird that the hunters brought back recently. The hunters said that it was on lightning. And like the the way the grammar of that phrase resolves in you, it's like it's the lightning equivalent of being on fire. That's electrified. That is not a word that Aster knows, but they nod and accept this new piece of vocabulary. Fuck. I need to stop teaching people new words. (laughs) Welcome to the club. It's just this really large, and like, I'm sure you got a chance to eat it, but it's not like there was a lot of information about what it was. Aster interviewed the hunters to find out what it did. It was just this, like, 
know, you you saw the corpse, so you know it was like you know about twice the length of a adult tiger from modern Earth. It was just giving off a lot of electrical discharge and was like weaponizing it. The hunters got it into their head. Hey, uh, let's see if that tastes any good. While it's there, we may as well eat it. <laughs> yep. So they caught the Thunderbird. Thunderbird is no longer go. And just, I just like, are there drawings in here? Is Aster yes. an avid, like, illustrator? Absolutely. Fantastic. I just like ooh and awe at some of the drawing uh, the drawings and I'm very interested in the details. I'm sure it's very like technical in some odd aspects like, you know, the color of the plumage and whatnot. Yeah, it's it's very much like the it's it wouldn't look out of place in like an early zoology textbook. You know, Astrid, this is really good. I'm gen I you know, every time I see this, I'm always impressed with the the detail and the you know the illustrations are very nice. They're very they I mean I've s I think I've saw the corpse of this thing. So it matches up in my head. Descriptions are very well done. I think this is a very good thing you're doing. They're looking very pleased and also very bashful at all the praise. Um, thank you. It's it's nice to be appreciated. That's just the last time when we first met at the very least. You seemed... I don't know... ashamed of what you were doing? I mean, I get that it interests you, but I don't know. Maybe... I don't know if somebody's been telling you that it's not a worthwhile pursuit. I certainly think it is. Not since I got here, no. No one's told me that. I'm... Glad to hear that, honestly. But, you know, even if people don't tell me I'm wasting my time, nobody ever wants to look at it because nobody ever wants to think about the kinds of things that are out there. <sighs> yeah. That perspective is reasonable. But, you know, cataloging knowledge is important. I've been thinking about starting my own journal, actually. They, like, pop up at that. <laughs> uh, not a, uh... <laughs> I'm afraid it's not going to be quite as interesting as what you've been doing. Not a, uh... Cataloging of the natural world. Uh, more of just, like, a... <sighs> I thought it might be nice to keep a sort of... A ledger of everybody who is here. You know? Hmm. Just. I don't know. Even if it's safe here, it's not. Especially for the folks that have to leave and 
forage. It's not 100% safe for them, and you never know when someone might get sick. So, I thought it might be nice to just keep a record of everybody who's here and who comes and who goes. I think that'd be really nice. Just prove we were here. Yeah. I think a lot of people would um, appreciate having their their presence, their existence recorded. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I'm, uh, I'm glad it sounds like a good idea to you. If you need any help getting any materials or anything, I know the right people on the gathering team to ask. That would be very helpful, actually. I've been... I'm afraid I... I mean, I know one of my personal compatriots is, uh, on the gathering team, but helps on the gathering team at least. But I think it would be probably better to ask in a more official capacity, I guess. I certainly can mm-hmm. ask them to go out there by themselves and find it. Absolutely not. Be... No. <laughs> that would be really bad. Right. And anyway, Aster, it's been a pleasure seeing you again. And yeah. I always look forward to seeing the new things you find and new things you uh, manage to catalog in your journal. You know what? Now, the the, the... Hmm. I'll start coming to find you if that's okay. Oh, absolutely. If if, if someone doesn't take me away from it, sometimes I can spend. Oh, my entire waking, every waking moment, fixing up my my instrument. I think I've almost got it in a place where I would call it ready to uh, to show to other people. Show, play is for other people to hear it. <laughs> anyway, don't hesitate to come find me, though. I won't. Take care, Aster. I just saunter off. So, Roxanne, it's it's a kind of confluence of fortune that it's right then that you wrap up your conversation because as you turn to step away from Aster, Adel also gets up and claps twice and everybody's heads swivel to Adel's standing form and they like drift up a little in the air so that they are standing above the big bonfire in the center and everybody can hear them equally and now everybody there's a kind of like ripple of conversation through the crowd of oh it's one of these okay that makes sense one of these Adol spends a minute regarding the crowd and then takes just a moment to look 
up into the sky at themselves. Watches the fight. And then the fight up there ends. Again, as always, in Adel's victory. The trio of other figures that Adel is fighting during this particular waking period all just either explode or split or burst into flames all simultaneously and fall to the ground some distance away from the camp. Adel nods. Everyone, I wished to warn you for what was coming next. My next opponent is one of the greatest that has ever appeared. And I wanted to make you all aware of it. I wanted to make you all aware that I will be distracted for some time until the battle's conclusion. At some point, I will be required to participate in it. So I will need to be vigilant for that moment. That is not to say that I will be unavailable, merely that I will be distracted. I apologize for that. And also, if any of you find what is to come especially disturbing, please seek me out. Those of you who are new and have not been here for such a fight, I am capable of screening your sight from it so that you may look up without being witness to it if you so choose. There's some, you know, like familiar nods around the the fire and a couple of people who are like folding their arms and they don't look skeptical exactly. They just kind of, they, they look thinky. They look, it's like a, okay, this, this, this is a thing. And then coming over a far-off mountain is a site that Steiner, you have seen once before in an illusion state. And Grant, you have heard stories of many a time. Hundreds of feet long and tall, bright red scales teeth bigger each than even Adel themselves wings beating so hard that the trees below them are shifting desperately trying to stay rooted to the ground eyes intelligent seeking hungry a great red dragon comes over the mountain and flies up to Adel and then stops and hovers and 
The Adol up in the sky doesn't move. Doesn't get into a fighting stance, just seems to be standing neutrally. It's the kind of thing like, oh, look at this dog that just showed up. I'm going to regard this dog. And then coming over the same set of mountains, a second dragon, this one a deep, vibrant blue. And then from off in a completely different direction, a third one, a candy apple green. And then from over another horizon, another in a rich earthen brown, and another and another and another, and they just stream in until Adel up in the sky is surrounded by no less than 50 of these things, all just beating their wings, hovering there, regarding Adel, Adel regarding all of them. And Adel still doesn't move. But then, after a few beats, sinks into a fighting stance. You know, you can see a kind of spread to their legs, a bend to their knees. Their dominant arm goes out like they would be holding a sword, although their hand is presently empty. But still, nobody jumps into action. And then a claw comes up over the mountain and crushes the mountain underneath it. And then a second one crushes the peaks beside those. And then there is a beat of air that all, all of the, the gusts that the dragons that have been present so far, they haven't broken through whatever shell is around the camp, but this one, the fire, the bonfire that you all are around goes out and some of the tents uproot themselves out of the ground. And then up over, stretching all the way over the horizon, its body so great that it comes in stages, is this great white and gold monstrosity of a dragon. Its scales so individually long and thick that they look more like feathers, an actual halo of light sitting around its curved golden horns that go out and then up into a point sitting above its head. Golden ridges along the, the elbow joint of every wing and along its tail in a few places. And it hovers there three-fourths of the way over the horizon just regarding Adel. The two are just sitting there, staring at each other for a very, very long moment. And then for the first time, Adel is no longer directly above the camp. They are out 
away and fighting. Locked in physical and magical combat, the two of them throwing spells that again break through the shell around the camp and make all of you feel sick to your stomach. Arcs of some kind of pure laser breath coming from the head of the dragon ripping across the landscape tearing it to pieces explosions far off in the distance that you can hear and feel some people start crying some people like they're kind of paralyzed watching all of this what do you all do? The first thing Grant thought of was, oh good, I always considered seeing a dragon being the day that I die, so I'm glad that Adel is here to protect us. And then this thing showed up, and now um, Grant is like, yep, yeah, nope, I'm out. Goodbye. It's like, fucking stops looking. Roxanne, for her part, is like, I don't know, she probably just like plopped down on the ground in like a oh shit kind of way, but it's just like completely fucking transfixed on watching this in a like I am vibrating with some sort of combination of fear and anxiety, but I need to fucking watch what is going on kind of way. Alright. Okay, so similarly, um, once I was attending a fireworks show and there was a mishap where a shell uh, accidentally launched into a hillside, which due to the time of year this was taking place was full of dead and dry vegetation. And the entire hillside caught on fire and it spread very quickly. And people around me were just like getting out of there because, well, there was enough of a barrier that I don't think it could have spread easily to where we were but you know people were still picking up and leaving because hey that's a large amount of fire and I just kind of stood there and watched it for a long time until fire department actually showed up and put it out but the whole time I was sitting there watching it I was just thinking I should probably leave but damn if that isn't interesting <laughs> This is a story from real life, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So that's basically what Steiner's doing. He's like, I should probably not be standing here staring at this, but I'm gonna anyway. Because honestly, how many times are you gonna see something like this in your life? <laughs> All pretty fair reactions, I think. Of note, if any of you have the presence of mind to look at the Adel that is down here with all of you, they have an expression on their face that you've only seen once. And it was when Emery asked if that was all they had. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, is it the face that they gave Emery? <laughs> yeah. It's not finally a fucking challenge face. Adol has, you can tell, just in this first moment, completely and and they've they've already done this fight. They already know how it ends. They know everything about this opponent. 
evidently, they live through it. They're going to win because they're here now, but they are so fucking psyched up for this that they have just completely forgotten themselves and just all of their bloodthirsty warrior god instincts are plastered on their face. Remember this part? I looked so fucking cool doing this. <laughs> I was going to go talk to them when this thing first arrived, but uh, with that face, Crank's going to be like, mm, I should probably wait a couple of minutes? Hours? Sleeps? Hmm. <laughs> I don't want to piss my pants in front of Adol. <laughs> I can't decide if this is the scariest or the coolest thing I've ever seen. It can be both. Similar so, to that, there's like, uh, and also a time I watched a golden corral burn down. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't like just like a point in this antidote. There's like something about just an incredible amount of destruction happening very quickly in front of you that's just makes you just want to stare at it. I don't know why. It's just like. Yeah, you guys are not the only ones who are transfixed by this. Like, there are obviously a lot of people who are very upset at the arrival of this monster. And it will probably get to them as soon as they remember themselves. But for the moment, uh, there's just a lot of, you know, crying and shaking and just obvious physical, verbal distress. But there are just as many members of the camp who are just dumbstruck, transfixed, whether because it's so interesting or it's historically momentous or it's just a wildfire that you can't look away from. You all are not alone in your reactions. For Roxanne, it's kind of like... There is, no matter like how much she changes, there is a part of her that was like, I was made to fucking fight things. And on some level, seeing things that are strong or seeing things that are dangerous is interesting to me. And also like, in a weird, tenuous way at best... It's a very indirect connection. Adel is kind of like part of Roxanne's weird extended family. Fucked up, but true. Mm -hmm. So she's just like, I want to see Grandpa fight in the war. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is not going to be a quick fight. Like this, there's going to be like the obvious like opening. You all become hyped up on the adrenaline of having a the fucking god of dragons lumber over the horizon and start spell casting at like in your direction. But you all don't get immediately annihilated in the first few minutes and it doesn't seem like the fight is going to just get ended in the immediacy so the, the, the minutes and then the hours start to crawl by 
are you all just going to continue to sit here, or are you gonna try and continue your lives while this is happening? Keep doing what we were doing, that's what... Like, flash forward day ten, we're all just sitting around the campfire. Dragon's still fighting Natal? Yup. I mean, I was going to have Grant live his life at some point, which probably sooner than the other two, because they're the ones who are transfixed by this. Okay. After a certain point, I think Roxanne just has, like, this epiphany that's like, oh, shit, and goes and fetches her guitar and then comes back to where she was sitting, basically. And tries <laughs> trying to, like, see if she can come up with something. I have to write the most metal song ever. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> so I watched so I watched a demigod fight a dragon that was the size of demigod. seven mountains. A god. I'm watching uh, an angel and a dragon god. I'm watching an a angel god and a dragon god fight each other uh, I need to be playing my guitar right now <laughs> okay can I remember how can I remember the fingerings for a fire through the fire and the flames I don't know if this guitar will hold up to the fire and the flames <laughs> I don't know if it's made for dragon force I don't know if I'm made for dragon force too bad I'm not fast anymore <laughs> Bet you don't have six arms anymore. You start playing fucking. You start playing Dragon Force songs and Adel starts fighting hard, harder. <laughs> Grass unlocked hard. Uh, speaking of Adel, uh, the, the, the Adel that's here eventually does just like. There's a full body twitch as they suddenly remember where they are and start looking around at everybody you know the the people who are just transfixed like taking account of them and then acknowledging all of the people who are in high amounts of distress and floating down from above the bonfire their feet touch the ground they walk over to these people there's some short conversations that you all can't quite hear because for, again, the first time, the din of this fight is coming through whatever shell is being maintained around the camp. And it'll just starts like going up to people, short conversation that again, you can't hear. And then they press the pads of their thumbs to these distressed people's eyes and wipes outwards, circles their thumbs around to their temples, and they take their hands off, and the people look less distressed. They, they look back up where they know the fight should be, and they kind of squint their eyes and duck their heads a little bit and nod and there's a, a, a word exchanged and a little bit of body language that conveys thanks, as you can tell. So, you know, is 
now walking around giving everybody who wants it some kind of like magic censorship goggles. Good. Yeah, I'm good. Like, Grant might not want to look at it now, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to ever look at it ever again. This thing's cool in a terrifying way, so. You can always ask if it's like, if you could like get a temporary blocker. That's fine. I don't even need one now. I just, just don't look up. <laughs> don't look east. Yeah. I'm not sure it would work on me, considering I don't have like eyes. Oh, there are ways of making you not see things. I don't know. Chloe, were you about to say something? Oh, I was going to say, can we like hear all this happening? All, all of the fighting, the sounds of the fighting, the explosions, the, the roaring from all of the dragons, all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all coming through. Once Adel finishes putting blinders on the people who want it, they do like, frown. <laughs> they look kind of annoyed, turn to look up. And they sit back down in that meditative stance that you've seen them in so many times, and they seem to concentrate. And slowly, the din of battle gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And then they actually look like they're straining a bit. And they just shake their head out and look kind of pissed off. You can still hear it, but it's very faint. Yeah. Fair enough. And the the gusts of wind that were coming through on the the beat of the dragon wings is now just kind of a soft breeze that is ever present throughout the camp. It basically never stops. So, Adel is going to get up and kind of walk away a little bit. They're not, like, leaving camp, but they are leaving the communal campfire. What's everybody else going to get up to? The thing I want to do doesn't really seem like it's really time-gated, especially, like, basically, I want to make a journal, which means that, like, in the amounts that I want, I probably have to wait for the gathering team to go out again. Which means I'm gonna have to wait for the drag this fight to be over. So like, you know, I'm gonna I can't really get it started right now. But I can't. Well, I can't like commit to it in in full. What I can do is I can probably get at least a couple scraps of paper to just like get started with. Yeah. Absolutely. There is. I, I hesitate to say a surplus of parchment available in camp, but you can definitely get a few pieces just for personal use. Nobody really presses you on it since you're not taking enough to, like, hold up the doctor's note-taking or anything like that. Yeah, I just, like, take a couple... I'll just take some paper. I'll leave it in a nebulous amount. And then, um... You know what? I go looking for a person to interview. I guess I'm just like going through and like, I want to 
dedicate like maybe a page per person kind of thing at the very least okay so I just like <laughs> since this is the very first page I'm doing I, I'm kind of torn between do I want to do someone that feels like momentous for the first page like oh I could go introduce I could go interview the very first person that I ever spoke to at this camp or do I want to like just pick somebody with the idea of figuring out what I want to write down I'm gonna flip a coin so I just take the, fir- the first like inter- uh person who doesn't seem like they're like busy you get to decide who it is meeting someone new for the first time um their name is Taleg they have um pretty dark skin uh sort of mid-length black hair it's been braided up real tight some pretty uh, sharp well-defined features they seem to be in pretty good health all told although in the the course of this little meet and greet you uh, very quickly find out that they are completely deaf on their right ear hmm I certainly don't know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. I just run through a couple questions like, oh, what's your name? Rough estimate, how long have you been here? Uh, do you have a title, maybe? Uh, or a role that you would like to be known at, known by? It's about 45 seasons, and they are a... Uh, the, the word they use kind of resolves in your head in a weird crosswise way as something between gardener and farmer. You know that there's a small agricultural operation here in camp, and Taleg tells you that they uh, are, are part of the group that, you know, does the upkeep and the harvest and all that. I would also like to mention that I kind of like went over what I'm doing and why I'm asking all these questions before I started. Mm-hmm. I, I, I ask basically, so this one might, I know is going to be hard for a lot of people to answer. So I'm asking with, with the <sighs> prepared for you to say no, or you don't feel like discussing it. What was your life before you came here? If you don't mind discussing it. They they do look thoughtful for a while, trying to figure out if this is something they want to answer at all. Eventually, they they kind of you know they squint their eyebrows a little bit, get their arms folded. They nod. I don't want to speak in too much detail. Anything you're willing to provide is more than enough. I lived by the sea. And they kind of motion off in a distance. Like, maybe you'll know the body of water they're talking about or not. It doesn't seem to be relevant to them, if you know. We're a small group, about ten of us. We spent a lot of time hiding under the water passing predators that didn't care for the water's edge 
and not much else. We picked the fruits that were on the trees, any tiny animals that came by we ate. Wasn't room for much. I wasn't much of anything. But now you're here. Now you're... I... I try to repeat back what they said that they do. Even though I don't quite understand the word. Yeah. And I'm here. And I can make a difference. Absolutely. And have whether everybody lives or dies from hunger be less up to chance. Absolutely. It's important work. Um, I guess, lastly, do you think there's anything... anything notable you've done while you were here that you'd like recorded for posterity? Could be anything. It can be nothing. If that's what you feel. I wouldn't say that I've done it yet. I'm working on it. I have this idea about breeding certain plants together. You know, notable goals would be interesting, and breeding plants certainly sounds like it could accomplish a lot. I mean, it sounds like an idea with promise. I'll just, uh, rather than what you've done, I'll just write in here your hopes for the future. That might be what I go for. Rather than notable accomplishments, hopes for the future. I want this to be hopeful. Sure. Probably for the best there. If you mean to get everybody, you're going to find a lot of people who haven't done much maybe wouldn't appreciate having that pointed out. Make a fair point. This is a first this is my first try. You were the first person I've spoken to. So I'm bound to get things wrong. But the important parts is to was to improve. <sighs> well, uh Notably, I think the first th issue I found is that I have, I intended to write one page and I've written about five pages worth of things. <sighs> Didn't think I was so interesting. Everybody's interesting. Anyway, thank you so much for talking with me. I know some of the things that I've asked have not been easy to answer. I appreciate you sharing with me. I appreciate being asked. Of course. And, uh, good luck trying to, uh, braid these plants together. I hope, I hope it, uh, produces some good results, or any results at all, actually. I hope it satisfies you. Thanks. One day I will learn how to talk to people. <laughs> Got plenty of time to figure it out. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that can be... That's the thing that Roxanne is spending her time on. Just... Yeah. In between fix-up guitar, Father Malta for uh, lessons on various, like, medical alchemy things. Bug her brother. Make sure Steiner isn't getting into trouble. Steiner would never get into trouble, but... Okay, okay. What Grant will get up to is going to the, his friend's tent and painting something so uh, he has something to show Adel when he eventually wants to go talk to him. Right on. I'm going to put this on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to paint, Lindsay? Uh, I'm going to paint a romanticized version of the, uh, the Winter Palace. Honestly, no, none of the people that live there, but just like the building itself. But different enough that if, uh, if Adel sees it in the future, they won't immediately connect it to the painting. <laughs> all right, all right. So, time marches on, sleep comes and goes. Another two, another five, another ten, another fifteen. The, the, the knowledge of the fight outside never, like, really leaves the mood of the camp. Even for the people who have chosen to not actively seen it, there's a kind of heightened generalized anxiety about the place that nobody can really do anything about. Adol, for their part, is seeming to trying to ease people's minds as much as possible by just being more present. Up until this point, they have... I wouldn't say being a, been a recluse exactly, but they're in recovery and they spend a lot of time just sitting silently by themselves recovering. But now they're like actively walking around, interacting with everybody all the time as like a I'm still here, everything's still okay, kind of deal. It's pretty transparent what they're doing, but it has a, a, an ultimately positive effect. And, uh, well, the battle is still ongoing out there, but one wake cycle, Steiner Kudo approaches you and asks, hey, are I know things are kind of wild out there. Do you think you're good to help with a quick, short gathering run? Certainly. I imagine it must be um, very important if we're going out while that's happening. We just had some people, you know, with the, the, the higher breeze and everything, you know, we've had some clothes start falling apart we've had some um 
with with all of the extra mana in the air, we've had some people get mana sickness. We just need to get a few emergency applies to make some spare items and to uh, stock up Malpha's shelves so that they're not going to run out of anything. Uh, uh, are we leaving now or is this just an advanced how soon can you be ready to go? I really have uh, nothing in the fire at the moment, so as soon as you need me. I'll go tell everybody that we're leaving, then. Uh, Alright. So the seven of you gather up at the edge of camp in the same spot as last time. There is definitely a much less relaxed mood to the group now. Everybody is fully aware that they are going to be making a grocery run into an active war zone, but it needs to be done. And you do not have to shadow Balde this time if you don't feel so inclined. Kudo expresses that you acquitted yourself very well last time, so as so long as you like follow general instructions and don't get too far away, you can operate as you best see fit. Uh, I'm not too familiar with the lay of the land uh, yet, and you know, there's the whole dragon war going on behind us. I'm going to stick fairly close to the group. Right on. So the seven of you stand on the edge of camp. Everybody takes a deep breath in, and then as one step outside of the ring and the instant you are beyond the edge of the shell everything comes back the wind is howling all of the dragons overhead and especially the god of dragons their roars are ear splitting it's it's a rough time out here well Upside, I don't think there'll be many things hanging around in this. No, but it does mean that anything that is, is going to be more dangerous than usual. Yeah, ups and downs, I suppose. All the more reason to make this quick. Right. I assume... They know where they're going. They'll make a beeline for the stuff they need, so I'll just let stick tight. Yeah, they're they're not in a dead sprint because they don't want to, you know, sprint into a pothole. But they are moving faster than usual, and they are being more vigilant than ever. Everybody is tight as a bowstring while also moving as fast as possible. So, Steiner, you get briefed on all of the... Well, no, you have been briefed previously during your training run on all the materials that... You know, what, what plants do what, what rocks do what. So you know what you're looking for, 
why don't you give me an act under pressure roll to just sort of see how well you negotiate this changed environment and gather everything up. It okay. There. Oh, damn, that's 13. Nice. <laughs> it's unfortunate that you don't have that move advanced, but that's still a full success, so... I mean, you, you do not become the the bell of the ball out here, but you are keeping pace even with the veterans. I imagine it's because, like, while the excess mana is maybe affecting them, mana is my food, so... <laughs> yeah. knows when you eat things, you go faster. Hungry boy. Mm -hmm. Everybody is a little bit lightheaded as they try and negotiate the environment, but you can just take all of that in and vent it straight out. Any that you don't immediately turn into like extra sensory sensitivity and faster movement speed and better reflexes and all that shit. So you're doing you're doing pretty damn good when you start hearing cries for help. Alright. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look around and take a head count. Um, you are a little bit split up, so you can't see everybody. The voice is not one that you recognize. I'll tell you that for free. Hmm. But you know where most everybody is. Okay. Um, now my thinking is that something that relies on ambush is not particularly tough and may not be out here, but at the same time, I don't want to take anything for granted. Um, so I guess I want to get um, Kudo's attention see if they hear that too and decide on the course of action from there yeah I won't make you roll to find them or to ask that question and they they kind of like squint their eyes and tilt their head and they blink stand a little bit straighter it wasn't until you pointed it out but now yes I can hear it you can't I do like that it's a predator on the hunt, but we also can't rule out that it's somebody that need help, needs help. I don't... It's... Have you... Would anything that would do that be out hunting in a situation like this, or...? <sighs> I, I couldn't put it past it being something we haven't encountered before. We have definitely had predators do exactly this, although they tended to be uh, things that wouldn't fare well in these winds. That was my thinking as well. Let's, let's get everybody together. Yes. We'll meet right back here. Alright, so I go out and gather uh, the other half of the group and direct them toward the meeting place. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take too, too long, and it isn't any more complicated than just negotiating 
tilted terrain and high winds. The terrain has changed, by the way. The uh, terraforming destruction of the battle has been kept out of the camp, but now that you're outside of it, there is definitely like the the earth has been ruptured in places. There's a lot of chunks of ground that are sitting at difficult angles. It's nothing you can't handle if you take your time, but you do have to take your time or you're gonna maybe find yourself falling into a ravine. But you can get everybody back together and the the cries for help have been intermittent and they, they change up. You know, they'll go from just like straight up the word help to is anybody out there? Just, it, it varies in a way that feels natural for a person. Still haven't seen the source of it. So, um... We know that people are out here, but also things that would pretend to be people. Not to mention anything would be hunting in this storm, but this is... I'm not as familiar with the land as you all are. So the question becomes, do we risk answering the calls? I think we have everything we need, so we could just go back. I can't in good conscience uh, leave anyone out here to, uh, stranded, especially with the... Uh, and Steiner just kind of gestures broadly at the dragons. With that... Yeah. Here's what I propose. I think at the risk so the, the risk would be alerting any predator to our entire I think perhaps a few of us separate and try to get the attention of whatever is making that noise. If it's a person, fantastic. If it's not, it won't put the rest of us in danger. They can stay back hidden and react accordingly. For my part, I volunteer to be part of this group that tries to engage with whatever it is. There's a silent chorus of nods around the group, and there's more than a few appreciative faces for you taking point on that. Balde volunteers to go with you, and everybody else just kind of looks a little bit too nervous. You, you can especially see on Kudo's face, like they, as the, the leader of this little band, are kind of at war with wanting to be in front of the trouble, but also wanting to be back so they can apply all of their knowledge and experience to the reaction team if it's necessary. And then Balde just like kind of punches Kudo lightly in the middle of their chest and tilts their head at everybody else. I think the two of us can handle it. Yes, we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket. Kudo nods. They look a little bit frustrated, but yeah. Okay. The more of us that are back to react, the better the reaction we'll have, I think. So 
Let's do that. All right. So, just want to get the distance and then try to locate the source of this. To either bring it to us or try to guide it. Everyone else stays back and watches and waits. There's a another chorus of nods and the reaction team goes and sort of like circles around a little bit the little area that you're in and lands on a a, a chunk of ground that has like upheaved into kind of a tall angle that they can sit on without like fear of sliding back it kind of wedged themselves into some nearby trees so they they have a view of the two of you where you're standing right now and Baldi turns and looks up at you it's your idea take point so remember to keep an eye on your back it's never safe out here you know that mm-hmm so we get a little distance away still in sight and um Siner calls back okay and the voice reacts to you you know it's still this whole time they've just been like calling for help but as soon as you answer it's a hello hello is somebody there Yes, can you hear? Can you follow the sound of my voice? Keep, keep talking, please. Siner keeps talking, but also, you know, looking out to see if they can spot. You know, try to focus on the direction of the sound, try to spot anything. Okay. Um... Why don't you read a bad situation for me? I will read a bad situation. Hi, look at that. I read it real good. Yeah, you did. That's an advanced success, and you can ask basically whatever you want. What do I spot, and when do I spot? You spot it before ball day, because you are taller than them. And what you spot first is this choppy, unkempt mop of snow-white hair navigating through the brush heading towards you it occasionally like ducks down really low and you lose sight of it that is probably because of trying to negotiate the terrain and having to like get down on all fours to avoid eating shit that's that's what you see and that's when you see it point it out if it's a kind of mimicking a person, they were doing a damn good job of it. They kind of like get up on their tiptoes a little bit and strain to see it. Oh. Yeah, look at that. You there! Over here! Like, the head turns. You, you, you can see the, the mop of hair, like, swishing as the head turns a little bit. Finds your direction. And then breaks through just enough of the brush and you are met with a new elf a 
Again, have a kind of a choppy mess of snow white hair on top of their head, kind of short. Uh, just kind of, it's, you know, light brown skin tone. They're, they're dressed in a very warrior kind of way. They've got, God, what are those called? Greaves? The ones that are the, the plate armor on your forearms? Sounds they got, they got those, they got like a breastplate of some kind of dark metal. Uh, and then the rest of their clothes are like kind of well-fitted, thick-looking black leather. Vamp braces, thank you. And they, they actually do have a sword on their back. And it's it's kind of funny looking. It's it's a very plain, long blade of a gray metal. Uh, and the the handle is really long. And it's it's mount it's stuck to their back. It's secured there in some way. It doesn't like wobble much as they are moving through. And they, they come out and like find you. They've got one arm like wrapped around their midsection and they they look to be distressed although they're not like bleeding or anything there's no stains of fluids on their clothes they they look at balde and like okay that's 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 the same species as me and they look at you steiner and like there's a mix on their face that is like confusion, apprehension, interest, maybe a little bit of relief, but also suspicion. Well, you must be in dire streets if you're calling attention to yourself like that. I don't know what I am, but I. Well, join there... the club. Th- th- this this is it's supposed to be here right the safe place uh what the Paul did they're they're evaluating this new arrival whatever thought they come to is one that has them nodding their head and answering this is here yeah you found it it's not too not far here, off. But yes. Not, not here exactly. <laughs> uh, are you. Well, you can obviously move under your power, but you seem wounded, are you. I. I don't know. Something. Something attacked me on the way here, and. I can feel it a little bit. But it, it isn't hurting me exactly. Hmm. Well, and let's get you to the camp. There are people there much better qualified to treat your wounds than us. Right. Oh, uh, Sina, by the way. Diesel. Pleasure to make your acquaintance. Hey, get closer. Balde, as, you know, kind of the senior officer, still a little bit of suspicion on their face. Uh, kind of steps in front of you, Steiner, to, like, put themselves between the two of you, and, you know, stands up straight and tall. Balde, I'm... We're, we're part of a gathering group. I'm the second here. The, the rest of us are not too far off. 
Diesel, like, nods, looks relieved to hear that there's more people close by. There, there's a... And, and like, the, the relief builds. And, like, they, they... They almost look like they're about to cry. They're so relieved to finally be here. But then they get up, like... You know, kind of like just outside of arm's reach of Balday, and then their body kind of snaps straight, and Steiner, there is a brief flash of color, and then Balday like panics and is like slapping at their chest and stomach. At their own or at Diesel's? At their own. These old, not moving still. No, no. After after the after the initial jerk and the the flash of color, they like slouch back down as they were, and they look panicked, uh, very afraid. Just their their eyes are darting back and forth. They're 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 offhand. The, the one that isn't wrapped around them is like clenching, like you, you can read on them. Did I just fuck up? Am I, am I done here? What's going to happen? And Balde is, is still just, and, and now it's kind of like getting a little bit frantic. Like they're, they're still in front of you, so you can't see exactly what they're doing, but you can hear like scraping sounds at the, the cloth they're wearing over their chest. <laughs> Uh, like, I step around and look at Balday, what is actually happening. They look fine. Like, aside from the fact that they seem to be kind of, like, digging into their skin with their fingernails. They're, they're not, they're not wounded, there's nothing on their skin, they're, they aren't, like, hallucinating or screaming in pain or anything gonna read a bad situation again. Uh, you've still got two more holds from the first time oh, I pulled it. I do. Okay. Um, well, I guess the most obvious one is why is Baldi acting like they're on fire? I mean, you can ask that question. Yeah, why are they why are they on invisible fire? So that it's, that they don't stop like digging into their skin like they're, they're trying to get at something inside and they answer something just jumped out of diesel and into me oh oh those fucking parasites those fucking things okay okay all right I'm glad the two of you got it <laughs> I'm assuming we're not completely off fucking track it'd be really funny that way <laughs> uh, okay. This is a bad but manageable situation. I actually have some experience with these things if they are what I think they are. Uh, so, first of all, there's always two of these things. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I think it just happened is there were two of these things in Diesel, and the second one, the 
the mated pair, one of them just jumped into Baldier, right? Well, you have no way of knowing without either getting some assistance or making some kind of relevant role whether there is a second one present inside of Diesel, but definitely you recognize the the rainbow, the long rainbow color, and the entry method, the, the zero trauma insertion of the parasite into the body by some kind of magical means. It, one definitely did jump from Diesel into Balde. But again, you have no idea about the presence of a second without some kind of assistance or analysis or something. Previous experience we have the, we have with these things with the, the, is that they form a pair bond. If there's one, there's two. Mm-hmm. The big issue was if you took out one, it would kill the other, which also killed the host, which was the big, hairy fucking deal. Mm-hmm. It might be offspring. Hmm. What was the role? Was there, like, no way to prevent transfer of them once they're in somebody? What's... So you didn't really have to deal with the parasites getting into people, aside from the one moment where fate turned against you, and one jumped inside of you. Right. But you've you've never seen one or heard of one jumping from one person to another. This is novel behavior so far as you are aware. Alright, so course of action. Third hold. Is there still one in Diesel? I don't think that's something I could give you without another roll on top of this. However, I would give you a plus one to doing it as part of this read a bad situation move. I don't know the rules about transference between them, because that's really never happened. This is an entirely new thing. So I don't know if this thing then, if I bring Baldier into camp. I'm risking this thing jumping out into other people. So I don't know that. Correct. Know how to extract one of them safely. Kill it. The issue is that if there is two, extracting one will kill the one that's still in. Yeah. It's in. Uh, okay, I know that. So you. Yeah, I think that's the best use of my hold, is getting a plus one on determining whether or not there is a second one still there. Okay. How do you do it? Well, like I said, I've, we've had experience with these things. <laughs> so... They have a pair bond, and that's like an actual thing. Like a, f- 
not a physical thing, but like they have a bond, which is a type of magic. So if I it is a type of magic that exists and is powerful enough to cross dimensions and still be maintained. Yeah. So basically, I want to find this bond, like use magic to find this bond. Okay. If it exists. We'll say that this is your doors of perception effect of analyzing a clue. But we're going to twist it 30 degrees to uh, find the clue. So that is a use magic roll. And I can use magic with sharp. Mm-hmm. At a plus one. Oh, well, I don't need it. That's 12, baby. So, you said you were, like, going for the bond. What you were trying to trying to sense, trying to suss out. And with that in mind, you're able to kind of like circle your senses around Balde, because you know that there's definitely one in there. And you are able to cotton on to a pair bond. And you can... You know, not exactly take hold of it. You definitely don't want to touch it without the correct implements, because you don't want to trigger the parasites. But as you kind of feel it out, yeah, the other one is definitely inside Diesel. <sighs> All right. Good news, bad news. Uh, I have dealt with these before. Bad news... Yeah, now one in both of you. And if you extract one, it will murder suicide itself and its host. Good news is that this can be fixed as a way to deal with this. It's a little bit complicated, but you're not in any immediate danger so long as we don't try to extract them. Um, there's a minor complication. I've never seen them jump from person to person, but I think that was... I don't think it'll happen again, but just to be safe, we should keep the two of you isolated from anyone else made of, you know, flesh. But this is fixable. Balde is like, you know, they, they got their arms crossed, their brows are knit, they're nodding along like, okay, I understand. We've got some kind of parasite and we're not in immediate danger. We just need to keep away from everybody to be safe. Diesel, the, the, the panic of, oh God, I fucked up and I'm going to be murked at the finish line has left their face, but they are still like very plainly, highly, anxious about this entire situation and how it's going to affect them. Alright, so the method to safely extract these is to break their pair bond. Without that, if you try extracting one, the other one would kill itself and its host. 
difficulty is actually breaking this pair bond. It requires some esoteric uh, materials, but this is probably one of the best places to get them, and we have Aiden back in my camp. So, we're on fairly good footing, all of the things considered. This could be far worse, but this is still a delicate situation. So, first things first, um, the rest of the group needs to head back to camp and tell the inform April what has happened. Uh, if I remember correctly, we need a knife made from a broken heart. Is the method for which we will serve the pair bond. After that, it's just a simple surgical extraction. They both have a look on their face like you just said some bullshit. But also, you're speaking very authoritatively, and Baldi trusts you at the very least, so they're not gonna call you on it. Alright. I will travel with the two of you, as I am not made of flesh and bone, and they cannot infect me. Not that I think that's a thing that will happen, but better safe than sorry in these situations. So yeah, I direct the uh, rest of the group. I you know, give a brief uh, debriefing of what's happened. That we know, I know how to fix this. But just to be safe. Mm-hmm. And the five of them will beat feet back to camp. And then the three of you can just wait a few minutes. Balde, like, slings an arm around Diesel's shoulder, making sure to stand on the side of them that doesn't have the point of the sword poking out and and just kind of like trying to act real fraternal about it like it's real it's real obvious to you that Balde is trying to like calm Diesel down and be like hey it's fine that this happened so long as we can get it fixed you know your your place here in the safe zone is not threatened just try to take it easy and diesel is relaxing by micrometers enough time passes where you think that the others should be back at camp by now so the three of you can head out i won't make you roll anything to negotiate your way back by the time you get back to the edge of camp, Adel is just standing there waiting for you. Ah, good. Um, well, probably the best qualified person to deal with this. Some has been explained to me, but I feel that I am lacking the complete picture. It's a type of parasite that forms a pair bond between two of them. And if this bond is ever broken by one of them, you know, being extracted and killed, the other one will then suicide itself, taking its host along with it. If you safely sever, if you sever the bond, they cannot do this, and then they can be safely extracted. Adol is like nodding along, has one hand on their chin. They're, you know, considering your words real hard. Balde looks pretty at ease. You know, the, the big man is here, the problem is going to get solved. 
Diesel looks kind of starry-eyed, a little bit weak in the knees. <laughs> Aww. That's adorable. It's a little puppy. It's a little puppy love. Ail takes their hand off their chin, crosses their arms. So, do you know of a method to extract these parasites safely? <clears throat> well, a simple surgical extraction once the bond has been severed will do it. Um, said the real danger is that you have to extract them without harming them, but it is doable. And of course, this must be done after the bond is severed. Do you know how the bond may be severed, then? Well, a blade made of a broken heart was what was used when we had to deal with them. Um, don't know if you have a forge that can make concepts into blades around. Or if you have a means to serve the bond yourself, that would also work so long as the bond is severed before extraction. Adel has a look on their face that is very difficult to read. And to answer the question, I'm sure you're thinking, no, I don't know how I know this either. I just know that I do. Man, I might have you roll fucking manipulate someone for the first time. Of all the lies you told, this is kind of the most bullshit. Uh, fair enough. You know what? Roll it for me. And let's just see how it goes. Okay. This will be the time I fuck up real bad. Because I've gotten the big numbers until now. Nine. Not a Nine. big fuck up, but... Okay. I'm gonna just hold the meaning of that nine for now. The, the, the look doesn't leave Adel's face, but it's it's blended in with a little bit of understanding, recognition. They don't relax exactly. They do kind of stroke at their bottom lip with their thumb. I believe that I know where we can get such a thing. It's good because I really don't. Maybe with enough time, I could set such a thing up, but I'm not 100% on that, and I don't want to risk their safety on it. The three of you, then. This way. And they... turn on their heels and... walk you through camp. There's... nobody out and about right now. And... That kind of seems to be intentional. So you negotiate your way around some tents. You see some people like poking their heads out from the flaps and then ducking back inside. It's obvious that some combination of Adel and Kudo has ushered everybody to like inverse quarantine. Only the infected are allowed outside. Like I said, I'm not... I'm pretty sure that since these two... The only reason one of them jumped into Baldia because it was, it was a bond. Like, I'm pretty sure that since it's happened, it's not going to happen again. But 
I'd rather not take the chance. Fair. So you wind up outside of a pretty small tent that's pretty close to Adel's. Kind of just a little bit around the back. And Adel comes to a stop outside of it. Looks a little bit conflicted. But then steals themselves and steps inside and waves all of you in behind them. Head in there. Be rude not to. Mm-hmm. You gotta duck your head a bit. Adel does too. This obviously wasn't a tent that was built with them in mind. But there's just one occupant in this tent. And it's a uh, a very soft-featured drow individual. Uh, the usual, like, super dark, bordering on a kind of bluish-purple skin tone, long, white hair. They are laying on their back and would appear to be in a gentle sleep were it not for a moat of orange light that is hovering just above their forehead. They're kind of tucked into a little bit of a sleeping roll. Needle gets down on their knees in front of this individual, hovers a hand over their chest and goes very still, their eyes closed, concentrating. Nothing happens for a few minutes. You can hear Balde and Diesel kind of shuffling uncomfortably behind you. They don't, they don't know if they're supposed to participate in this or what. They're just going to kind of trust the process. And then Adel raises their hand and a kind of glob of formless lavender energy follows their hand up. They retract their hand, bring it closer to them, and then press the glob in between their hands and squeeze it tight. Their, their arms are like trembling with the amount of force that they're putting between them, and they draw them apart. And there is an ethereal blade of lavender energy hovering between their hands. I grab one side of it, I turn to you, Steiner. How do I wield it? I'm, I was just like, you just use it like any other knife. You just gotta cut the thorn if I'm remembering correctly, but I'm probably not. I won't make you roll to remember. You literally just like swing it in between the two. The, the bond doesn't have any sort of physical presence if you like stepped in between the two parasites, but mm. if you do swing the correct blade, 
along the in the space that the bond would occupy if it was physical it is severed that way if you make yourself aware of the bond it would be just as simple as using the blade to sever it they nod place their offhand in the space between diesel and balde concentrate nod as they seem to find it and raise the hand wielding the blade and they bring it down and the two infected individuals don't react but Adel at least kind of at the completion of the swing their head cocks a little bit and they nod yes I definitely did feel it cut something right now on this considered, the safest and easiest way to separate the parasite and the host is to bring them slightly out of phase. This prevents the parasite from triggering its suicide mechanism and keeps the host safe. Um, so, let's see. I don't actually know that magic. Did Lindsay know that one? Was it Lindsay who knew that one? No, it wasn't Lindsay. Which one of us was the one who knew that? It all kind of looks a little bit conflicted as they're considering your words. Then they do something a little bit weird. They, like, check their own pulse. They, like, put a hand up to their neck feel around a little bit, seem to consider. You okay? I would like to extract these. To make these two safe again, to eliminate this problem. But I need to consider the amount of effort, the amount of power that I expend while I am in Ah. recovery. Yes, I suppose that is an issue. Which one of us in order to do that? I don't remember. Steiner. Yes, sorry. Your body is an exceptional conduit for mana. Yes, yes it is. I could channel that to you. If you wouldn't mind. Oh. No, absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Uh, do you want me to roll weird for this or something? I would like you to roll sharp because that's your magic stat. Well, that's how I roll use magic. It's not explicitly my magic stat. But if that's what you want. That's what I would like. Eight. Alright. That's an eight. Okay, so... Adol puts a hand on your shoulder, the one that's connected to your torso. The fight with the dragons, I think, is affecting everything, but it might dampen my ability to channel somewhat, so this might take longer than usual. Not sure. There's an overabundance of mana in the air, and I don't want to overload myself or well I don't think I could overload you but I will try not to hurt you with this process 
I'm made out of stern stuff. I'll be all right. I'm more concerned about them. I understand. Still one hand on you. They reach out with their other hand. I'm gonna flip a coin. Who gets it first? One is Balde. It's Balde. Put their other hand on Balde's chest and concentrate and you can feel the mana just sucking in from the atmosphere rolling around inside of you and then out through the point of contact between you and Adel. And it's a it's a heady draw. It's like you suddenly walked into a very high oxygen environment. And Balde gets like kind of weirdly opaque. Like their their opacity is kind of just flickering a little bit. And then Adel real gently, like no no malice, no intent to harm or anything behind it, like pushes Balde back with the tips of their fingers. And they step back a little bit, real just a tiny bit, and the parasite just like out of them falls onto the ground. A step on. Yeah, uh Adel takes the, the hand off of you and forms like a spear hand, jabs it out towards the parasite, and its head just pops like a really gross balloon. So they look relieved and they take several more steps back and like they're out of the tent, they gotta like grab the flap and hold it open so they continue to see inside so they're not like standing anywhere near this gross bug. Ooh, that was in my chest area. <laughs> and there, there's the same kind of thing before where de- definitely these things have some secondary ability where they can like, where they force themselves to be smaller once they enter a host because this thing is like the size of an adult Dashin. That definitely would not have fit inside of Balde's chest. At least not without bulging. So then there's the matter of Diesel. And Adel puts their hand back on you, gives you a nod. Like, you good for this? <sighs> their safety over mine, if it comes to it. They reach back out, put their hand on Diesel, start to concentrate. You feel the mana start to flow through you again, and you experience something new for the first time. Apparently Notcher put some kind of overflow warning inside of your brain, because you are getting a like subconscious alert that if you keep this draw up for another couple of seconds, you are going to forcibly shut down and be out while some evaluation processes happen. Okay. Would I know... Would this... stop the mana flow as well if I shut down? I'm gonna say that you know your body well enough to know that it's the... the, your use as a catalyst is kind of intrinsic to your construction. It doesn't require any active participation on your part. So Ada would be able to keep going if you passed out. 
So I've got like at least a couple seconds before I do, though. Mm-hmm. Well then, in those two, in those few seconds, I just say, "Don't worry, I'll be fine." I think, and then I just lose consciousness. I guess. Yeah. Well, there's there's Adol keeps going. You feel the magic continue to course through you, and then. You stop taking any sensory inputs altogether and just stop thinking. You completely lose consciousness. This is the most true and thorough sleep you have entered thus far in your new body. Wee! Do I dream? <laughs> hmm. Tell you tell me. me. Will I dream? No, if I'm like just like a complete shutdown then I'm probably not going to dream. It's like a loss of consciousness, not sleep. Okay. Grant. Present. There is a war with a dragon god raging outside, and it's been... Like, 15 sleeps since it started. Where are you at? Uh, I think I'm at the point where I'm finally going to go talk to Adol about the stuff I want to talk to them about. Alright. So I'll go find them and see if they're in a good place to talk, and if not, then... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so takes a little bit of hunting because they're not anywhere towards like the main body of the camp. You actually have to ask around, hey, have you seen Adel recently? And you eventually get told they went that way. And you're just kind of like pointed in a direction. Okay. You can meander your way along that vector and you find Adel like on the edge of the camp like you can tell you are right up against whatever shell is keeping this place safe they are seated on the edge of a pretty tall ridge just kind of there there's a sheer drop that they are sitting on one leg dangling over the other kind of pulled up so the knee is touching their chest and they are watching the fight just have their eyes fixed on the horizon where they are doing battle with the god of dragons I'll go up, got my, uh, got the painting that I've been working on with me. I'll go sit next to them and look up and I go, I mean, I would ask who wins, but uh, it's very clearly you because we're sitting here talking. Well, you would think that, but there is room for variance. Things can't change. Huh. Interesting. I 
honestly don't know how to respond to that. I would caution you against responding to it with any more anxiety than you are presently feeling. I do believe that there is not enough room for variance for me to lose this one, so long as I do not fail to play my part. So, first of all, I wanted to uh, to give you something, uh, and then I will hand them the painting that I've been working on. They look very surprised and genuinely touched as they take it. D- tell me, Lindsay, how good of a job did you do? Um, I. Th- I would think that with as long as I've been here and as long as I've been, like, hanging out in the, the tent, that I've gotten better. So it looks fairly okay. It's not anything you would put up in a museum unless it's one of those fucking stupid-ass museums that put up, like, the, here's a purple square, this is art thing. Uh, but it's also, like, not something that... It's, it's clearly got talent behind it, but not so much talent that, like, it's going to blow anyone away anytime soon. Now, here's the fun thing. I was just asking for your evaluation of your own art. Mm-hmm. Adel has never seen a painting in their life. <laughs> <laughs> what if they had time to make or observe art? Exactly. So they just... You could tell that they have just like zero frame by which to evaluate this, but they still do like hold it out in front of them and like, like the appreciative look on their face is one of, I have been given a gift that took time for a person to create more than this is a great work of art I've been handed. Okay, that's fair. They, they, they do have a a very, like, genuine, pleased look on their face. This is... lovely. Thank you. What is this? Um... I mean, sometimes I just let my imagination run wild, so I... thought of a place that looks like it was made out of ice, so I I made it. This is incredible. Thank you. Thank you very much. I will keep. I will keep this. I will find a place of import in my tent for this. Thank you. I I appreciate it very much. Also, um, while we've got time, I'm guessing, um, I do want to talk to you a bit about like the stuff involving my core and I want in like I've put a part of my core away for safekeeping to eventually try and heal it but I have no idea about the process that we would that I would even begin to need to do to in order to do that so I kind of want to like bounce ideas off of you and see if you have any clue on what we can do to do that once uh, all said and done. 
they had put the painting off to the side as soon as you started talking like there was another thing that you needed and it was like something that would require concentration Mm -hmm. and then as you got more into the description of your problem statement their face kind of fell a little bit It, it went from you know gratefulness and enthusiasm and interest to something that's a little bit difficult to read but definitely isn't positive okay motion at the ground next to them sit please uh i'll move and i'll sit next to them i do not mean to disappoint you but I have no idea where I would even begin okay so let's I guess start with what would be impossible I would imagine like Is there anything that you can think of that you would not begin with? Just anything, just like the the absolute wrong things to do. Destruction. Well, yeah, there's a reason I saved a bit of that away, so. But um, aside from, aside from that, like, I I do not know exactly how to convey this, but I know that I promised you all of all of my ability, all the assistance that I could muster, but Everything I know, everything that I am good at, is born from needing to be that. They extend their hand at the version of themselves locked in combat on the edge of the horizon. I'm scarcely able to handle my own medical needs when I am here in recovery. I rely on others to do that for me. That is why I promised to help you when this was done. I have never had room to be anything other than an engine of violence, and so I, I do not know how I, how we could repair you. I mean, you say that, but I mean, then uh, he'll turn around to sort of look down at the camp. And I said, I don't know, you've created something pretty great down there. 
That was not entirely my work. This motion, this shield is my work, but it is a shield I learned to craft, to protect myself in battle, to allow myself to sleep while fighting raged around me. The, the control of the weather within the camp. I've had to fight masters of storm and the elements more times than I can count. And so I have needed to learn to wield it back at them, overpower their command of the sky. All of it is just changing things I have learned from the root of violence. And anything beyond that is false. It is an affect. I do not know how to speak to people. I mimic what I see in others. I do not know how to be a calming presence. I play at what I have seen Mesa be, and what I have seen Brada be. Well, I, I think that's kind of a flawed view, because Mesa and Brada wouldn't follow you if they hadn't seen something other than pure destruction there. And as a result, this camp would not have grown. And like all those people down there, they might see you as, they see you as a protector, but I don't think they see you really as a destroyer. And it doesn't really matter if you're good at talking to people because let me tell you right now I'm I'm awful at talking to people let's put it that way um but I they they see something that you are creating and what that is is obviously still forming because it's you've got you've got very temporary uh, lodgings here, but I mean, I don't see any of them leaving anytime soon, and I don't think any of them really see you as exceptionally violent. Because if they did, then they wouldn't feel safe. conclusion I can I can come to is that I have grown skilled at pretending to be like them I recognize what you are saying but I do not believe how any of them could be in the dark about my capacity for violence 
there was a saying where I came from that was along the lines of if you wear the mask for too long then you start to become it. And normally that was used in a negative connotation. You didn't want that to happen. But in this case, I think it might be positive. You've pretended to understand them for so long that I don't think it's really pretending anymore. I wish that I could know for certain. I'm afraid I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, that's the thing about masks, uh, and wearing them for so long is that you don't know when that's actually happened, but... I will say this from everything I've seen and from everything I've heard about you. If you are still pretending, you're not going to be pretending for much longer. I suppose you would be the expert on masks. I mean, metaphorical mask, dude. <laughs> Give you a wry little smile. But I do appreciate the honesty and transparency of you telling me this. Uh, it's gonna be a tough one, but eventually I will get it figured out. And I'm hoping that you'll be able to help me in some way in that regard. My oath yet stands, despite my difficulties when I have the time to learn properly to be something else I will help you Crant will just sort of look up at him and say oh, you can't tell but I'm smiling under your ask you a question while we are discussing the disparities in our natures. Sure, go for it. It is something I ask not to all, to some. I feel they may offer an interesting answer. do you think about what I am doing here? And 
I recognize the absurdity of this statement, but please answer honestly. You need not fear a forced exodus. If you give an answer you believe I would find displeasing. I think a lot of good is going to come from what you're doing. I think that in the end, it is all going to be worth it. Despite the cost. Because it is not simply a a war that I rage. This is a campaign of extermination. And the ones that I fight are more like me than any who reside in this camp. So it is an extermination of my own kind. When push comes to shove, I think you will know when to draw the line. Where would you draw the line if our positions were reversed? (sighs) That is an incredibly of question that I'm not entirely sure I have an answer for. Because I, I can't imagine ever being like you and all that you do. That puts me at a certain disadvantage when answering that, so. Honestly, I wouldn't even begin to know where to answer that. Do you believe that you would start? I would probably start at things that a reasonable amount of people would not be able to stand up against themselves. So, if there was five or six exceptionally powerful spellcasters that could put down... Grant just points to, like, one of the dragons. One of them. Then, maybe... Uh, start there. And then anything less powerful than that, uh, just... You know... No undue amount of force. How far afield would you travel? I mean, as far as you can. Yes. You had said 
that you would stop once the greatest of all had fallen. What of those who stand slightly below them, who would still be a threat to people who are like you are now? What would you do with them? Stand vigilant and offer them a chance to reconsider violence if they are capable of such thought and make them regret making the first move. I suppose that is where we differ. I do not think I could stand to allow them to make the first move. Yeah, I guess that is where we differ a little bit, but, um... Too many would be lost. Too many could be lost to that first move. Especially when such beings can mask themselves as those who do not pose a threat. Those who can walk among the least so long as they are unscrutinized. I could... I could see it your way, but... Not so long as they can move unobserved. I have never known those who hold power to not believe themselves entitled to wield it. And though the directions they may wield it are varied, I do not know if their entitlement should stand above the safety and comfort of those who cannot defend themselves. It's, um... <sighs> I'm... I guess I'm just a bit of an optimist, which is odd considering where I was a couple of seasons ago. But... I feel like most people at least deserve a warning, and if they ignore that warning, then that is on them to face the consequences. Most people. There's one or two I met before I came here that I... If I could do it again, I wouldn't give him any warning. I suppose this is me becoming acclimated to the Mask of the Protector, then. Because I can only see it as... 
them violating their one warning, resulting in a field of bodies. And, and my train of thought is I'd rather completely avoid any bloodshed if they listen to the warning. But, I mean, like you said, this is an area where we're going to disagree, probably. They lean back a bit. Just go back to watching themselves fight. Have you ever seen the sky, Lindsay? I'm going to guess that if I say yes, you're going to be like, no, no, you have you really seen the sky? And uh, so I'm going to think about that answer for a little bit. I think I have, but it's been seasons upon seasons. I was a child the last time I think I really saw it. I ask rhetorically. I've just realized what is about to happen. Would you like to see it again? Sure. They have a kind of complicated look on their face as they come out of their lean, put their palms together gently, rub them together a little bit. They press them real hard against each other, so hard that your skin gets somehow even paler. So whatever blood pumps under their skin, it's pressured out a little bit. And then they raise their pressed hands together up into the sky, turn them so they're back to back, and then their fingers form into like gripping claws and they spread them and the infinite, ever-present roiling storm of chaos that's covered the sky in all directions for as long as you've been here parts like a curtain and for the first time since you got here, you can see the stars and it is the, the completely, perfectly unpolluted, wide-open star field of the Feywilds. And you have seen this. You've especially seen it on the trips you took out with Dweer and Quenso into the Deep Wilds. The few times you stayed overnight, there was a lot of stargazing there. And in fact, if you look, you, you, you get lucky as you observe the sky. You recognize a few of the constellations. It's the same stars. But they're so bright. Gran will just look at, the, look at them in awe. Take as much in as you can. They'll be gone in a moment. And you maybe got the feeling from that sentence that, like, the clouds were going to come back together. Stars were going to go back out of sight. But no, 
No, it's something... Something else. The Adol out in the distance fighting puts distance between them and the God of Dragons. You can see just sort of out of your peripheral vision, just barely see them. They raise one hand up and all of the lights in the sky begin to move as one, converging into a single point of light up in the sky. And then that point drips down, and now the sky is empty of stars. And that drip falls into the outstretched hand of Adel out in the distance. And then there is a pull in like you've never felt in your life of power and intention. And Adel, shell cast off, spins in place and a ring of starlight, beautiful, radiant white light, rips through space centered on them. And the god of dragons is beheaded and the ordinary dragons, as ordinary as a dragon could ever be said to be, are all cut to pieces. And the corpse of the god of dragons slams into the ground and you can feel an earthquake just ripple through the landscape. And then everything goes quiet. And then the clouds of the storm come back together and the empty night sky is lost to your sight again. I don't think I was ever expecting to see anyone kill one dragon, let alone like 50 of them. So uh, thank you for showing me that. That was probably one of the coolest things I will ever see in my life. Lindsay's Ark. It is rare that I am in need of crafting such incredible techniques. I always find occasion to name them. Would you give yours? Yeah. Yeah, of course. They got a smile on their face that you can't quite read, but it's a smile nonetheless. You know, as terrifying as an opponent it was, it was beautiful. The shape of its head, scales that looked like feathers. I may take something of that shape. Oh, and that, that just ruined Grant's entire mood. Oh, no. It was going so well until then. <laughs> uh, Grant will 
at that point, which is very kind of awkwardly say. Thank you for the chat. Um, I've got to get going. Of course. See you later. <laughs> then Grant will walk away. <laughs> And for a couple minutes, Grant forgot that that was the guy he spent months of his life preparing to kill. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think we're done for tonight. Yeah. Oh, oh. it is 11 o'clock. How about that, man? How about that, man? Mm-hmm. That was a lot. That was a that was lot. A Stuff still needs to be resolved. Yeah, Steiner is... Blacked the fuck out. We'll get to that. Ooh, Steiner's dead. That sucks. Steiner has encountered Camp. an error and must shut down. <laughs> Can't believe Steiner is fucking dead. Your Steiner has Again. performed a legal operation. <laughs> well, I do our perform illegal operations. That was like, like a year of my life. <laughs> if Steiner's a computer, does that make Notcher the installation wizard? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Uh, that's, that, that's what we should close on. <laughs> no, no, no. We're gonna well, we're gonna close this out. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna close this out properly, because um, Steiner did definitely help in saving somebody from certain death or worse today. Yes. Yep. Okay. Good job. So we uh we talk about some end of session stuff. We definitely do have one yes answer. I don't know if we've solved any mysteries. Question no, mark? no, I don't think we have. Where did Adel get their amazing sense of style? <laughs> uh, have we learned anything new and or important about either the world or the hunters? There used to be a fucking god of dragons. Used to be this really kicking rad dragon. Yeah. <laughs> it was big. It was cool as fuck. It was the biggest. And also it was kinda fucking rad. <laughs> um yeah, I'll count that. So have we learned anything new and important about the hunters at all? Um I don't really feel like we did, other than Steiner has an emergency shutdown. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we learned, we did learn that, but I don't know if that's enough to count. Uh, that's maybe not important about, like, Steiner's personality, his character, but that's, that's probably an important thing to know, like, going forward about Steiner's capabilities. I'm willing to count that. I'm willing to turn that into three yes answers that will give you all two experience points. Cool. Neato. Uh, you say two? I level up then. Two. Two. Nice. Corn nice. rats. Corn uh, rats. Corn rats. I don't level up yet. I'm still one away. Maybe next time. Okay. Plus one to weird. Right on. Right on. That's weird. It is weird. <sighs> so fucking weird. So, good session, everybody. Yeah. But, uh, 
some stuff I've been planning. Uh, planning on challenging Grant to consider his philosophy regarding those who have power and can move invisibly among those who don't and what to do with them. Um, I've been looking forward to unveiling the God of Dragons. I've been I've been a little bit personally hyped up. I know I know it didn't stick around for even an entire session, but uh, it was just a real fucking cool idea. It was fu- it, like, listen, now we know why uh, Adol doesn't consider dragons to be that much of a threat, because compared to the other one, they're just baby. <laughs> I got to I got to show the moment when Adol first encountered the star-crossed parasites, establish that bit of history. That uh, that's going in Aster's journal at some point, and is going to cause problems in the future. Not my, maybe my fault. <laughs> hey, you know what? Because I'm not sure of you, on that one actually. It's a little unclear, but you have definitely ensured the closing of a time loop. Adol knows how to kill it, so Aster's going to know how to kill it, so you guys are going to know how to kill it in the future. The bootstrap (laughs) paradox, I think it's called? (laughs) Don't wear boots. I think it's the bootstrap paradox. It is the bootstrap paradox. Okay. All right. Uh, so I had fun. Hope you guys did too. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all always have fun. Glad to hear it. Or else. Or else. Or else. Uh, so thanks for being here to have fun, you three. And folks at home, thanks for being here to listen to it. You innumerable number. <laughs> we are... God, I just ran the numbers. 30, 41, about 41 sleeps in at this point. So. Out of like 180 or something? Something like that. Six times three is 18, yeah? Yeah. Something like that. The jumps are gonna keep getting bigger. And, uh, hopefully my players are gonna keep coming up with cool and interesting ideas for things to do while they are here in this time period in this specific place. That's for future sessions. For tonight, we're done. Have a good one. Good night. Good night. Adequate night. Don't have to have a good night. You don't have to live up to anybody's expectations. You can just have a serviceable night. Don't tell. Don't let people tell you what to do. I hope you have a good night. Same. But you don't have to. <laughs>